When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. What's going on, Bears fans? This is Nicholas Moriano from the Chicago Audible here to give you another podcast for this week. And if you're watching on YouTube or wherever you, you consume this podcast at, you'll see that Mason West is also here to join me on tonight's podcast. Mason, how are you doing today? Overall, pretty good. Uh, some crazy news across the NFL scape. Interesting stuff for the Bears and, you know, Soon we're going to hit the slow time where we're just kind of building our portfolios for some of these, the upcoming draft. But for now, it's definitely uh, ebbs and flows, I guess you could say. Ebbs and flow or ebbs and flute. Ebbs and flows. That's a new chapter. That's a new chapter. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> there we go. Uh, Flus. Uh, where he got that nickname from? I know I'd like the Bears posted a video and I think they asked uh, Ryan Poles. And Matt Eberflus like their rapper names, and I, what it uh, Ryan Pohl said, little Poles, little Poles, <laughs> and and then Matt Eberflus just said Flus. So hey, it works, it works the out way, there. From that video, and I never saw this, but when they asked the question, "What do you bring into the barbecue?" Like Flus and Poles, like they both said uh, chicken, I think. And then Ryan Nall, I think, was the one who come up came up, and he was like, "I'm invited to the barbecue," and just got like super pumped and ran <laughs> off strip. That was like the best moment of that. I feel yeah, that seems like a. I don't know, a Ryan Null response, like, hey, I'm invited, let's go. It, seems, it works perfect for him and his personality. But yeah, we're here. We're going to talk about some, like Mason mentioned, there's some definitely some major NFL news that has happened throughout the week. Uh, the Bears have started to fill out this, this coaching staff that was pretty empty, you know, just a couple of days ago. But now we're starting to see the, the entire coaching staff kind of come to fruition here. And also... I was in Mobile, Alabama for a couple of days just to recap and share some of the players that stood out while I was there. But Mason, I think we want to just start this conversation with what's been, you know, on, on social media. And there's, you know, really some two big topics that have been circulating. But we'll start with Jim Harbaugh and that news that kind of happened where, you know, it looked like it was almost almost like a foregone conclusion and maybe Jim Harbaugh's eyes in terms of landing that job in Minnesota. But as Adam Schefter has kind of tweeted out and what we all know as a result, he's not going to be the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings staying in Michigan. And for all the Bears fans that were, you know, hearing the news and maybe like worried, like, man, if Jim Harbaugh gets a job here in Mich or in Minnesota, 
man, what what's going to happen if he gets, you know, one lands that job and the dynamic between the Bears and, and Vikings if he's the head coach. But didn't happen there, Mason. Just what are your overall um, just impressions and just reaction from all this Harbaugh drama, I guess? I was never really a big Harbaugh fan from the get-go. I think I said that over a couple different podcasts, and I understand his winning history. But at the end of the day, the 49ers were more or less like, okay, cool. We see you won a lot, but we'd rather you not be here. And that doesn't bode well. Then he goes to Michigan, and he does fine, but he never really wins the big game. I mean, leading up to his the big win he finally had last year, I mean, most a lot of people at Michigan were claiming, wanting him to get fired. He gets one win, and then all of a sudden he's a head coaching candidate. And it seems like from if we kind of patched together, um, you know, from different sources, he was testing the water of the NFL. Like he wasn't really willing to like dive right in, and it's understandable to an extent, right? I mean, he has people to recruit to Michigan when he's trying to get kids from high school. He doesn't want you know the Michigan as a whole to be mad at him or anything like that. But that led to a lot of uncertainty from teams, right? I mean, he there's a lot of we know and from some sources and George McCaskey seemed to hint at like, yeah, we had a phone call with Jim and that seemed like it happened with some other teams too. But when they started talking about what that would look like compensation, I mean, numbers like 10 year, a hundred million were thrown out there. Roster control was thrown out there. Clearly teams weren't all that interested because they didn't even bring him in for an interview. They weren't willing to guarantee him a spot. And then here come the Vikings. And, you know, like you said, it seemed like that was more or less set in stone. But as we've now heard, with what he thought he just had the job and the Vikings were kind of like, no, nah, bro, you got to actually interview. And, you know, nine hours later, he's not the Vikings head coach. And I don't blame Kwesi uh, Adolfo Mensa for not making, <laughs> not making him the head coach. Cause it seems like Harbaugh wanted control. Harbaugh wanted a lot of money and he just would have been running that team. That would have been a Harbaugh's team would have just taken the legs right underneath from Kwesi and some of the other people in the front office. And then he ran back to Michigan, right? And it's funny because Michigan kind of seemed like they welcomed back with open arms. But it's like the yeah. girlfriend that, like, didn't cheat on you, per se, but she definitely went out on a couple of dates and came back like, no, 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 I'm back again. And it's like, what are you talking about? Like, no, like, you you clearly were unhappy here. So, I don't know, the whole thing is crazy. And that that's one of the reasons, one of the reasons why I wasn't super high in him, too, is just, like, you imagine being, like, the... the the Vikings have their head coach right now. It's I'm not a huge fan of that head coach either, but imagine being like them scrambling right for their second, third option of head coach. Imagine being like the Jaguars or the Saints who don't have a head coach at all. I mean, that's the situation the Bears would have been left in. No, absolutely. And I think with, you know, just the, the Jim Harbaugh news, it's like, obviously it was the Vikings that really gave him that, that formal interview and he was linked to the Raiders. And I think obviously you, you put, Harbaugh and the Bears together because he played here and it's like they didn't really give him a I guess that much of a consideration and maybe there's a reason for it but I think if Questy like you were kind of mentioning Mason if he just kind of gave him the job because hey we work together in San Francisco like that's I don't you you still need the best person for the job not your best friend to you know you know take over and have as much control as maybe we think that Harbaugh would have so maybe it works out in the long run for the Vikings maybe it doesn't and maybe Maybe the Bears missed out. We'll never know, but Harbaugh's in Michigan. The Bears obviously have their guy, Matty Rafflus, and now, now it's just uh, a thing of the past, and maybe that's where it should be left there. Um, to kind of continue like this this conversation of all the, the NFL news, 
like when I was in, it was that I think what we finally confirmed, um, Mason, like when did the, the Brian Flores news happen? I think it was Tuesday night. I what that Tuesday morning, I got up around two 30 to get on a couple of flights to find, eventually get to mobile, Alabama, go cover the senior bowl from 1130 to four 30. By the time the news happens, like, you know, it's, it's like, I heard about it, but I didn't even really get to dive into it because it was such a long day. But then, um, I was ha- hanging out with Robert Schmitz, um, Brandon Ro- uh, Robinson, then Jeff from all Windy City Gridiron guys. So we we're all out there, kind of just um, went out to dinner, but we we're kind of discussing a little bit. I, I, I want to defer, uh, defer to you, though, Mason. When, you, again, you hear, like, what what's kind of going on with the NFL, what Brian Flores is, you know, accusing the nfl of and like how the nfl even responded to initially what what are your overall reactions I th- and i think it's it's for you being a person of color like what is just your reaction to hearing this and then seeing obviously you look at the head coach like one black head coach in mike tomlin right like obviously there's something wrong with the nfl and how they do this but i just want to get your reactions to it yeah I think, and you may remember this from one of my, the top head coach I had on my list was Brian Flores when we did our our head coach GM search. And we talked about and highlighted some of the reasons that were being told as to why he was let go, right? He was let go because of some unprofessional behavior, the way he talked to certain players, the way he talked to management, he didn't get along well with maybe the front office and some of the owners, you know, that he was disgruntled and the way he talked to staff, all those things. And with a lot and I, a lot of times when you hear things like that and i've been someone that's even felt that myself in my own professional life it's because sometimes race does fall into it now let's get this straight there's gonna be a lot of stuff that needs to be parsed through between now and when ultimately you know things get decided it's gonna be a lot of he said she said there's gonna it's gonna be a lot of just peeling back layers but you have to take this stuff seriously right you can't just push it off to the side as well this is nothing really for us to worry about and the, one of the problems is two hours after this gets put out there, the NFL comes out with this statement. The NFL and our clubs are deeply committed to ensuring equitable employment practice and continue to make progress in providing equitable opportunities throughout our organizations. Uh, just diversity is core to everything we do. And there are a few issues on which our clubs and our internal leadership teams spend more time. We will defend against these claims, which are without merit. They spent more dang time looking at Deflategate and before, before they were willing to put out a statement than they were in something like this, which is, you know, a huge issue right now. It should have been a huge issue long term. Two hours into it. That's crazy. How are you going to do that? Right. And like you just illustrated, Nick, there is a diversity problem. Right. It seems right now you're OK with a black individual putting their body on the line for you to make you money owners. But you're not OK with them being in the upper ranks of those organizations. Like you said, one out of 32 head coaches are black. That's 3%. Four of the NFL's 32 teams employ a black offensive coordinator. That's 12%. 11 of the NFL's 32 teams employ a black defensive coordinator. 34%. Eight special teams coordinators, three quarterbacks coaches, six general managers. Like That's not a good number overall. And when you look at the owners as a whole, I believe they're what? There are two female there's a con everyone else is a white male it it just is what it is and you're not going to see true changes and the Rooney rule sucks right let's be real the Rooney rules you just end up becoming a checkbox you end up becoming someone who you're brought in just to simply fill the two quota which you need for a head coach or the one if you're if you're a coordinator 
and you're not even truly heard, you're pushed off to the side. And then eventually after a couple cycles, people are like, well, why am I even going to interview this person? They went through three rotations, didn't get hired. And it's like, well, because I was brought in as a, as nothing. So it's, it's one of those things where it's going to, like I said, it's going to give me a long process. We ultimately got to see where the heck this goes. And uh, we talked about this a little earlier, Nick, the bears actually do need to be a little wary because they potentially have someone that could step up in, in Pep Hamilton when it comes to the Getsy hire. Yeah. Yeah. And like you mentioned it, and I just want to kind of touch on this a little bit too, like to send out a statement from the NFL and end it with, without merit doing that two hours after the, you know, the accusations kind of are said by Brian Flores. It's like, how, how can you make come to that conclusion so quickly and not even give it any consideration? Like that's where it's like crazy to even think about it, but yeah, this is, but, and you know, even Brian Flores knows like he potentially will, will never get a coaching job again. So like in which is wrong in itself, but maybe through his bravery and his actions, maybe finally like this, that discrepancy that you were mentioning between the, you know, the number, the number of head coaches that are black and, and just in the higher positions, maybe that can finally start to change with something like this. It's unfortunate that it needs to come to this and that Brian Flores could potentially be, you know, exiled because of it. But man, it's, it's just a crazy situation. And kind of just speaks to, again, the the lack of diversity that's kind of happening within organizations and especially in those higher-up positions where, you know, you look at the NFL, like primarily it's a lot of black players, but that's the player side. What what about the actual other side where after after playing, a lot of these guys get into coaching, but it's like they they don't have um, that, that opportunity to almost move up. People who have like sons that are in the league, right? Names, I think Mason too. Like you see some of the names that kind of get get coordinator jobs and eventually get head coaching jobs and things like that. So it, it is uh, something that's definitely skewed, and we'll just have to wait and see because I'm really curious to see how this, you know, impacts the NFL moving forward. And you know, hopefully change can happen. But we're again, it's gonna like you said, it's gonna take some time to really see what what comes out of this, but. Brian Flores, again, is braving itself for just bringing it up. And now, now I guess it's a wait and see kind of game. Um, Mason, before we kind of get into, again, talking about this Bears coaching staff and, again, some of the guys that the Bears are bringing in, are there any other kind of quick uh, takeaways that you want to mention before we kind of get into that? Um, I briefly touched on this just as we were talking about it, but there is going to – I don't know if it's going to necessarily come out or not, if there's going to be a true, true, true problem. Um, but, you know, there was that leak that came out before um, Luke Getze even got hired, where it was like, Getze's the favorite. It's his job if he wants it. And then all of a sudden then you hear, okay, well, by the way, Luke Getze and Pep Hamilton are going to be interviewing on the same day. Uh, I believe that was on a, on a Sunday or something of that nature. The, that is troublesome, right? Because now it just makes it seem like, okay, Pep Hamilton was just being used to fill the Rooney rule. Does he know that that was the case? Was he okay with it? Or, and so now are the bears potentially in a situation where they, 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 they're going to be under scrutiny under a microscope with all this. And right now the bears are, I mean, we're going to get to this. They're hiring a lot of minority candidates. They really are. So, you know, that's, is it even fair that they would be under the microscope? And so part of that's the issue with the Rooney rule as a whole. And because it puts you in a weird situation and, 
and part of it, then you have the questions like, what if you have a fantastic coordinator that you're just like, man, we've been grooming this person. They're a quarterback's coach. We want them to be next. And you shouldn't have to interview if you don't want it. It opens this whole can of worms, but it's certainly something that needs to be looked at. And I was listening to uh, Waddle and Sylvie, Peter King was on. And mm -hmm. his feeling was that at some point in time to truly make changes, because a lot of the changes that need to be made are long-term, you know, like ownership changes, GM changes, things of that nature. Um, but more in the interim, that something more substantial was going to have to be done in order to get teams more interested, unfortunately, in hiring a minority head coach he, or head coach, GM, et cetera. And actually, he went as far as saying, I think his idea was like, if the salary cap was like $204 million, that if you hired a minority head coach or GM, like you'd get like a $228 million cap for for that time period and so that would incentivize you to do like that's like i think a little crazy but he was saying that it might have to be crazy because as of right now you get some draft picks and clearly that's not enough to incentivize people i mean look at the vikings they had three finalists if you ignore harbaugh because that was fake um two of them were black and then they hired the white dude and it was just like i'm not saying that, that he that o'connell is that his last name mm -hmm. um i'm not saying that he's not qualified he might end up being amazing and will be sad as bears fans that the vikings have an amazing head coach but it is just interesting that it's like well you had these three finalists two of which were minorities and it still somehow ended up being o'connell so yeah lots of lots of parsley but bears i think are doing overall a good job with these minority hires and we'll get into that yeah absolutely and you know just the whole like the incentives with stuff like i still just feel like it's it is kind of, it's just wrong in a way. Like, oh, do this and you get this. It's like, I don't know. Again, it's it's a it's a deep conversation for sure. And we're, again, we'll have to wait and see how it all kind of shapes out in, in terms of future moves that are future rules or moves that are made to really, you know, again, try to figure this out. But we are going to talk about some of those, those Bears hires that we've been kind of hinting at all show. But before we do... I have to tell you about Owen, which stands for only what you need. As you guys know, Owen and the Chicago Audible have partnered up, and you can get 20% off your purchase at liveowen.com with the code TCA20. And if you go to liveowen.com, you'll see a bunch of great products from protein shakes and protein powders. They even now have a like pancake mix that you can make. Uh, I haven't tried it yet, but if you do, you should definitely let me know how that tastes. But you can get 20% off your first purchase by using TCA20. And in addition to getting that discount, once you're on the liveowen.com website, you'll also notice that they have a special and just an awesome contest going on right now. Right now, Owen is giving out an autographed Justin Fields jersey and cleats, and one grand prize winner will get all of that. Two second grand prize winners will get a signed official football, and four third prize winners will get an autographed jersey. So awesome prizes, unique, and you're not going to get these anywhere else. And here's how you can get in on all those great prizes. All you have to do is go to liveowen.com forward slash Justin Fields forward slash. And again, liveowen.com Justin Fields forward slash or forward slash Justin Fields forward slash. And what you do, you'll see Justin Fields will be holding up an Owen shake. You type in your first name and your email and you're entered. That's it's easy as that. You go tell your parents or grandparents your friends, family, whoever it is, then they can answer you in and, you know, they can answer themselves in and you can collaborate and try to get one of these great prizes. But again, go to liveowen.com forward slash 
Justin Fields forward slash to get in on those great prizes. Good luck, everybody, and make sure to check out the Owen website and get uh, some of those great products. And you also get 20% off by using the code TCA20. All right, this is the Chicago Audible. I'm Nicholas Moriano, joined by Mason West. We're about to do a deep dive and just get you all updated on all the Bears coaches that have been uh, officially signed to this Bears coaching staff. Uh, what, just on last Monday? Just Monday, it was the introductory press conferences for Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus. They've been busy, and they said they were going to get busy pretty quickly with um, with what they wanted to do with this coaching staff. So you think, Mason, you know, we can go one by one. I can name everybody, and then we can recap it. But I don't know. What do you feel like would be the best way to kind of get all these names and who they are and what they kind of bring to the table to our listeners here? Let's just roll through uh, one by one, kind of starting at the top and going down. Just uh, give everyone a good idea of who these guys are. Sounds like a plan. Let's start off with uh, real quickly, and I think this is the name that people have heard the most out of the hires. Um, the offensive coordinator, Luke Getze, has 15 years of coaching experience. All seven of his years in the NFL were in Green Bay, worked at, from a wide receivers coach, the quarterbacks coach, to um, what he just recently had as his title in Green Bay, the QB coach and passing game coordinator. Um, he had one season at Mississippi State, and he was the offensive coordinator there. But I think through, who was it? Maybe it was 670, did an interview with um, – what is it, Moorhead or um, the the head coach at, at, at uh, Mississippi State at the time? But he actually didn't call the plays there. But look, it's a guy that has worked with Aaron Rodgers, what his entire career at Green Bay, being there for seven years. And I think it's a guy that really will be able to kind of share some of the things that Rodgers, how he approached maybe certain drills, read certain coverages, and he could just pass all that information along to you know Justin Fields now. So. It's a guy that, you know, does have that experience and um, I think will be a nice addition for, for what the Bears are trying to do. And anytime you can take away from Green Bay and add it to Chicago, I think that's also a plus in itself. Uh, Mason, for you, Luke Getze, what just, again, initial impressions and, yeah, what do you think about him? So It's definitely an interesting hire. Um, he definitely was a bit of a hot name. Obviously, coming from the Packers, you're always going to have that association. Uh, I believe it came out, Eberflus wanted to kind of pull from that Shanahan coaching tree. And if you kind of roll through the connections, he does have some of those Shanahan connections there. Mm -hmm. um, and like I said, anytime you can have not just be work with Aaron Rodgers, but you can earn the respect of Aaron Rodgers. Like Rodgers has said in, to the public that he is someone that, that gets, he is someone that he leans on, that he talks to, that, that he uses to help there. And if you actually listen to what uh, Moorhead said regarding some of the th things that he thinks gets, he will bring to this offense. He thinks it's going to be an RPO based run game that takes advantage of a quarterback's running skill set, combining that with a West coast system that takes a ton of shots down the field. That sounds overall pretty good for a quarterback like Justin Fields. Maybe not as much the West coast part right now, just because Justin's timing and short routes aren't, aren't the greatest, but the rest of that, I mean, absolutely sign me up for that. You know, um, and another player, person, Devontae Adams, that spoke very highly of Getty as he was the wide receiver coach there. Um, that bodes well for, in theory, what the wide receiver class is going to do. Just some of the respect that you have two players of that caliber that speak about Getty in that way. Um, you know, if you look at the tree itself, Nathaniel Hackett got a head coaching job with the Broncos, of course. So 
it overall seems like it's going to be in relatively good hands. Biggest concern, I mean, he's never been a play caller before. Everyone's got to start somewhere. (laughs) You got to call plays at some point in time. But the thing that's really cool is your offensive coordinator is going to be your play caller. That's all he really has to worry about is just developing the offense. Unlike our previous regime, right, where Matt Nagy had to worry about leading the team and also calling the plays. And there's just a lot that you have to have on your plate. And so it's exciting that he's going to just be able to zero in on this one aspect. Absolutely. So I think that definitely will help um, not only really Getsy, but Justin Fields to be the best version of themselves where you don't have to kind of handle a bunch of different hats at once. Like, Hey, you are the offense coordinator. Obviously you're going to work hand in hand with the next guy I'm about to mention as a quarterback's coach. But I think that's like you mentioned, Mason, it's a, it's a plus to have on your, on your team. And speaking of that person, I was just about to mention the quarterback's coach. And it was just announced, I think earlier today. And let's see if I butcher the last name here, Mason, Andrew Janoko, right? Is that how we, it's something like that. The bears sounds about right. Sent, sounds about right. They sent out a, you know, an email and it has a pronunciation pronunciation. I can say that word, uh, Janoko. So he coached various spots uh, along the offense in Minnesota from 2012 to 2013. He was an offensive assistant first with the Buccaneers before he really got into the Vikings and started working up the ladder, really. So let's, and I'll start from the bottom to going up to the top. In 2016, worked with the tight ends. And that year in 2016, Kyle Rudolph actually set the franchise record for reception in a season by a tight end. 2017, worked with the offensive line. Same thing happened in 2018. That was the first year where Kirk Cousins was a quarterback in 2018. Then 2019, still with the offensive line, um, 28 in, in that season in 2019, the Vikings collectively gave up 28 sacks in the regular season, which was tied for the fifth fewest. Hey, the Bears will take that after, what, leading the league in sacks given up this past season. Uh, 2020, he was the Vikings wide receiver coach. And this past season, 2021, he was the quarterback's coach. And, you know, this is a guy, like I said, has worked himself up the, the ladder there with the Vikings and had a brief experience as an offensive assistant with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Andrew Janoko, Mason, um, thoughts on the Bears' new quarterback's coach? So very first impression, I was just kind of like, huh, who? Because it's not like I, I had no idea who that was. Uh, I had no idea you know, if he was good, if he was bad, if it was just the Bears being like, hey, we're just going to steal another NFC North, you know, coordinator or coach. And, you know, when you start to dig in and actually realize what he's done and where he's been at, one, he's really young, right, which is fantastic. That's what you, you know, 33 years old, he's played quarterback, coach quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And actually with Kirk Cousins this last year, um, he got helped Kirk get to 4,221 yards, 33 touchdowns, seven interceptions, and 103.1 passer rating. Like, I will take that for – if Justin could do that, I'll take that all day. And then if you go even yeah. further back to when Justin Jefferson was a rookie when he was the wide receiver coach, I mean, you know, he had one of the greatest seasons by rookie receiver in NFL history. And he set a league rookie receiving record with 1,400 yards and became the NFL's first rookie receiver to earn AP All-Pro honors since Randy Moss did it. So, again, sign me up for that if, you know, the Bears bring in – not like you're going to heck it at Justin Jefferson more likely than not. But, you know, at least you're going to get some nice development there. You know, he's a he's a fast riser. You're seeing that he was with the with the Vikings. He's making his way forward for a position like this quarterback coach. You're going to get one of two things. You're either going to get someone a retread who's 
either been maybe like maybe they were a head coach, they were an offensive coordinator, they were there was something somewhere else didn't work out, they got fired, they got let go, whatever the case may be. Or you're like this, where it's a person that's trying to prove themselves, that's moving forward, that's trying to become an offensive coordinator, that maybe has a head coach aspirations. And so you're pulling maybe a little bit more of this unknown, which again, I'd rather sign up for that than a retread of someone who's been around the block too much. And it's like, we just, we've seen this movie. It does, it ends okay. So, you know, give me pretend that potential home run and someone that maybe Justin can connect with again, because the age and playing quarterback before it should match up pretty well. Yeah, no, that's a really good point there, Mason. I think too, just having that experience with tight ends, offensive line, wide receivers, quarterbacks, like, let's say, you know, if everything goes right, right? Like the offensive corner, Luke Getze gets Justin Fields to a new level. And then you got, you do have a guy like Janoko in, in up and coming, maybe like, you know, the, I think best case, look, best case scenario, like Justin Fields goes and has a great season. Everyone will look to Luke Getze like, oh, is he the reason why someone will hire him somewhere? Right. And then maybe you have Janoko in like, again, waiting up and coming person that will be someone that can call plays, but probably getting way, way too ahead of myself. But again, maybe that's the line of thinking, but I think also with, with, I, and I want to preface this too, before, before we mention all these guys, like the bears have brought in people that have had, you know, I think accolades in terms of what they've done in certain positions. Like you look at a Harry, Heath stand, or you look at whoever it may be uh, it, like a John D Filippo, who was, you know, renowned as being a good quarterbacks coach. Like, they have these reputations and things like that, and stuff can still not work out. And, you know, with a guy like this, he's young, and we just don't know yet. So I don't want to put too much emphasis on any one of these guys until we kind of see it play out in the season because, you know, we've had high expectations before, and it, we see throughout the season maybe it's not because of this particular coach, but things just sometimes don't work out. So we'll have to see how all these guys come together in their first season with the bears and just let it play out. But I just want to preface that a little bit here. But, and it's not all sunshines and rainbows when it comes to this, right? I mean, yeah. we, we, what we didn't mention was uh, Joe Brady. We thought was guaranteed to have this position. Joe Brady decided that he was rather be the bills. Uh, was quarter he signed up for the quarterback coach. It was. Was it quarterback or was it the offense? Uh, sorry, offensive coordinator. Sorry, offensive coordinator. Yeah. So he's now the offensive coordinator with the Bills, which A, obviously that's a better position. So why wouldn't you do that? And B, you're the offensive coordinator for Josh Allen, which in theory would get you fastest to head coach. You're going to pick the easiest path, the path of least resistance. You know, even if you love mm-hmm. Justin Fields, well, you know, for whatever reason, why would you sign up to be a QB coach on a team that has some room to grow at this point in time? And even with Joe Brady, I never understood it, to be completely honest. Like, when he was at LSU, like, he didn't call plays or anything like that. And he had a pretty darn good team with, you know, Jamar Chase and with Burrow there. So that helps you a lot. The Panthers weren't very good. But how much of that was Burrow? How much of that was their not very good head coach, in my humble opinion, um, who plays multiple quarterbacks like that? He's insane. So I don't think that's a miss. Also, Brady never played the position. That's not, you don't have to have that to be a quarterback's coach, of course, but I think it's helpful. You know, if I'm going to be listening to you, like, hey, this is the mechanics I want you to do. This is the sight lines. You know, these are my progress. Like, I want you to have done it before. It, it, that helps me. It really does. It puts me, it gives me more faith than you watched a lot of film doing it. it. It's not a 
for sure prerequisite, but it definitely helps. Yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah, just seeing some of the comments. So Brady is uh, the QB's coach. My uh-huh. bad, you guys. I was wrong. But they're not in the Bears, Again, so maybe. I still think that's a faster route for him to get to an OC, right, is with Josh Allen. <laughs> like, that's the, that's the easiest path. So why would you not take that? Yeah, no, it it, make, it makes complete sense to be um to be completely honest. Look, Josh Allen is Josh Allen, and he's already um I don't want to say a finished product yet, right? Because he's just so young, and he could honestly get better. So why not go work with somebody like that and elevate your status along in, in in the NFL world, right? So it makes sense for Joe Brady. Um, let's get on to the next guy that the Bears have added to their staff, and. That would be adding a defensive coordinator, and they did so with Allen Williams, who has 30 years of coaching experience, 22 of those years being in the NFL. This will be his 22nd season. Uh, Past four seasons was in Indy as the safeties coach, but he was also with the Colts back from 2002 to 2011 um, as a defensive backs coach, was in Tampa Bay in 2001, and I believe that was with what the Lovey Smith, Tony Dungy error, right? So knows that cover two scheme that the bears are going to definitely implement here. I'm just running a four, three. Um, he was also with the Vikings from 2012 to 2013, I believe was a DC there at the time, but also the Detroit lions from 2014 to 2017. So a guy has plenty of experience and obviously has that um, experience with Matt Eberflus being in Indianapolis, but and with Eberflus not calling the defensive plays, I think it makes sense to go with somebody that, one, you just worked with and know hands-on experience, what he's about, how he you know communicates with players. But you need to have that trust factor because I think when we heard that Eberflus wasn't going to call the defensive plays, and that, that was his expertise, right? It, it just You want to have somebody that you can trust, somebody that you know and have worked with, and you see what Indianapolis's defenses look like, you know, the past, since 2018, since Eberflus got there, it has been a, a defense that can cause turnovers, whether it's in the secondary or, the you know, in the interior of the defense. They Those are guys that rally to the football, and now you bring in Williams to call it defensive plays. For you, Mason, again, just kind of the similar theme here, what are your reactions to to Williams and maybe the potential here for, for what he can do with this Bears defense. Well, first off, I want to highlight the people we're currently talking about, the coordinators and the coaches. These are Eberflus hires. Like, yeah. this, this is not, I'm seeing some stuff in the chat. This is not Bill Polian. Bill Polian was actually never in the building. He was on Zoom the entire time. So it's not like he's sitting behind Eberflus like a Sith Lord, like, you must pick my people. <laughs> Eberflus was a Poles hire, right? When they went through, and part of this whole process that some people love, some people hated. They asked all the GMs, like, who, who are your coach shortlist, right? And they had, and even when they were talking to the head coach opportunity uh, candidates, they were talking about who do you have in your list for these other positions. It so happens that Pohl's list had Eberflus on it, right? He, he, loves, he loves Eberflus, like his brother, as he put it, which also just so happened to be on the list of the committee, okay? That is it. We're done with that. <laughs> this is, this is Pohl's and Eberflus show. With George just chilling, being a fan, as he likes to say. Sometimes a chauffeur. Depends on the day. But when it comes to Alan Williams, this is kind of the opposite of the uh, Jonico. I hope I just did not butcher that. Where this one, you want a little more consistency with this. And I like like how many years, right? 30 years coaching experience, 21 in the NFL. 
And like you said, this is going to be Eberflus's defense. He is the master of this. Alan Williams is just happening to call plays, right? That's at, at the end of the day. You don't need some defensive mastermind is when you've game planned well the rest of the week, when you have your principles in play. And as much as fans may hate the acronyms, you know, hits and all that stuff, loaf, I don't care. That's your mission statement as your team. Live it. You know, I, and if the acronym helps all the players remember, then so be it. But, you know, as long as that's set, you know, the play calling becomes easier. That's that's just like that's one of the great things about this thing. Um, we talked about it a little bit too. Minority hire also fantastic. Ali Williams, fans, that's that's really good. He's called plays before, like you said with the Vikings, mm-hmm. also very good. And so it's it's positive overall. I mean, um, it's not something that you're going to sell, you know, get super super pumped about. But it, I think there's going to be just a nice consistency that's there. The only concern I might have, so it's like a little positive, little negative is. At a bare minimum, you're thinking, yes, you're getting a lot of Colts people coming over. They had a good defense. They had a top 10 unit. But we do know that there were some potential issues there, right? They let they were they gave up too many fourth quarter points. You know, mm-hmm. they they didn't have a great showing against Jacksonville, which we can have a whole conversation about that because the offense did not help their defense. Like there were too many times that the the Jaguars got the ball in the wrong side of the field, and that's a whole thing. But if you don't bring in other mindsets can you make improvements in those areas? Like, would it be nice to have a little dissenting voice being like, but what about this for the fourth quarter? I would like something like that, but at a minimum, if we're getting top 10 defense that the Colts produced, sure. Make this the Chicago Colts. I'm okay with that. The Chicago Colts. uh, Yeah. If you can bring that defense, that'll definitely help out the bears in their situation. So Mason, let's go to the next hire and the bears have added now or now have an offensive line coach in Chris Morgan And I just want to read this tweet from Kevin Fishman because I think this kind of illustrates what Morgan can bring to the table. He said Morgan was an assistant online coach in Washington from 2011 to 2013, where Mike Shanahan was the head coach. Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator and Matt LaFleur coached QBs. I still, when I hear all those names and being on that staff, it's nuts, you know, that they had all those guys. Um, Morgan coached O-line under Kyle Shanahan in Atlanta as well. And so we can make an educated guess that Luke Getze wants an outside zone run scheme for the Bears. And I think that is, a you know, a good educated guess. And the Bears have, you know, been running outside zone here as well um, under the last regime. But now I think there's just going to be more of an emphasis on it. I don't know if um, uh, if people like people in the who are listening to this or are watching have read uh, the latest article. Who was it by? I think it was both Kevin Fishbane and Adam Johns, but they asked mm-hmm. about the offensive line and you know the emphasis there but there's going to be just from ryan poles and just get hearing him in the introductory press conference and even um the small groups that we had at hallis hall with him there's going to be an emphasis to run the football and get it right with having the right offensive line there and now you have a guy with in chris morgan who does have that background um with wanting to run this this outside zone scheme, which is what, you know, Mississippi state and Luke gets That's kind of how they also operated there too. So it, I already can tell like there's already an identity being formulated early on without it ever even, obviously we don't have games to base it on with the bears yet, but throughout the whole entire Matt Nagy era, it's like, what was the identity? We never really, really, really got a good um, answer to that, but it already seems right now that that identity started to form itself here in what the first three days of February. So I, I already, that's already a positive for me 
but Chris Morgan Mason um, liked the hire. And obviously with, was with Pittsburgh before this and towards the end of the year, I think they started to use Najee, like Najee Harris was a workhorse for them. But I think you started to see more efficiency out of maybe the Pittsburgh Steelers running game when it got later in the season. So yeah. What are just your overall thoughts to Chris Morgan? I don't have a ton of thoughts when it comes to Chris Morgan. Like I do, that's going to be true for a lot of these coaches. Cause again, they're kind of just yeah. behind the scenes guys that, that do their job and that's about it. Um, I would be more concerned about the O-line specifically if Holes wasn't going to put such an emphasis on it. If he wasn't an offensive lineman previously himself, I think that at this point, you know, Holes is going to give Chris Morgan, here are these players that I think are going to have some pretty solid skill sets because he understands the position and he's going to put the emphasis on it, like we said. Put him in the right spot, right? Teach him the, 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 what they need to know and let's run with it. Uh, and in today's day and age, a run-heavy offense or a run-centered RPO – it's kind of become almost like a dirty phrase when you say that because you see the you know Patrick Mahomes shows that get put on. You see that the Bills basically you know did what they did without a run game. But at this point in time, especially in Justin's development, letting him lean on the run game a little bit as he develops because I still think he could be a special player is is good. Um, you saw what Jimmy Garoppolo could do when you have a solid run game and a good defense. I mean, I I, I think he's going to be better than Jimmy Garoppolo, but why not give him a, you know a little bit of time? We saw what the Titans were able to do when they had Ryan Tannehill, who was very average, but had a solid run game. You know, just so imagine if you have a solid run game that Justin can play off of and use his deep shots. Like look at an Aaron Rodgers, right? When you have Aaron Jones in the backfield and, you know, a secondary running back that can also take the load and then Aaron Rodgers can do magic Aaron Rodgers things, your team can go far. So let's not look at this run, a run heavy or this even the outside you know zone scheme as a negative thing. Look at it as a positive that can be built upon as Justin develops. Yeah. Compliment to Justin Fields game. I think any, you know, any quarterback would love to have that. You shouldn't be so reliant on just your, your QB to win everything. Like maybe there's some guys that are, that can do that, but you know, I think anytime you can have that compliment, comp, complimentary football, honestly. Right. Um, I think it's definitely going to help your team. Let's go now to wide receiver and passing game coordinator, Tyke Tolbert. So Tolbert is now 19 years uh, in the NFL coaching. Uh, spent the spent the past four seasons as a Giants wide receiver coach. And I think this is a higher like, okay, you see the last four seasons with the Giants, you're like, oh man. But he also, you know, coached in Arizona, Buffalo, Carolina, and Denver. And I do want to highlight Denver real quick here, Mason, because you and he was there from 2011 to 2017. And in 2014, he had the top tandem in the NFL that season. It was Demarius Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, uh, two recorded the most receptions, 212 and receiving yards, 3,023. So you give him guys that he can work with, uh, he's going to get the most out of you. And I forgot who tweeted it out, and I should have had that up. Oh. But yeah, yeah, maybe you can find that, Mason, if, if we're thinking along the same lines here, like thinking that he's a great hire for the organization. But – uh, prior to the Broncos in 2010, he was with the Panthers, 2004 to 2009 with the Buffalo Bills, and then got his first um, opportunity coaching the wide receivers in 2003 with the Cardinals. So a guy that, again, we're seeing like this mix of guys that are young and guys that have this ton of experience. Like you see with Tolbert and obviously um, the defensive coordinator with Williams, and obviously Chris Morgan has some good uh, coaching experience as well. But 
you, you see a little bit of mix there of people that are going to be maybe be doing stuff for the first time, like Getsy calling plays and guys that have really been in this position for a while and have succeeded where, where they've gone in, in previous um, teams here. But Mason, I tried to stall long enough to see if you could find that tweet. If not, I can't uh, find it. If, I know what he said, I, but I can't. It's so basically they said really quality coach and a potential head coach in the future. I can't find who said it. I, I know I definitely liked the tweet before. And of course, as I scroll down here, trying to still buy time on this, looking at all of these things that I unfortunately liked, right. of course, I will not find the one tweet. All right, you keep looking, and I'll talk about Boulder it. a little bit. Got it. Uh, so, Emery Hunt. Yeah. Uh, got it real yeah. quick. Sorry, Mason. There you go. Best wide receiver coach in the NFL and is a future head coach as well. If you're wondering who the heck is Emery Hunt, uh, owner of Football Game Plan, um, CBS Sports color analyst. Check him out, Emery Hunt. Actually, F-Ball Game Plan is where you can find him, but he tweeted that out about uh, – Tyke Tolbert, again, best wide receiver coach in the NFL and is a future head coach as well. Yeah, and at the end of the day, we have to remember, too, a position coach can only do so much. Right? You're handed a piece of clay, and you're going to make the best you can with it. If your clay is just a rock, you're not going to be able to mold it into anything. <laughs> and we know the Giants haven't been just the best team. So I'm willing to hold off too much concern because he like you said he's got a pretty solid history you talked about the denver uh players but also he helped anquan bolden earn league offensive rookie of the year with 101 mm -hmm. passes for 1300 yards and even this last year Kadarius tony actually was having a pretty solid season you know injuries kept him off the field um but tony had 420 yards on 39 catches he played in 10 games but only started four at 10.8 yards per catch I've been saying this a lot this episode, but sign me up for that. If I can have my rookie wide receiver get 10.8 yards per catch on in only four games they start, that's pretty solid. So I'm going to use more of the general history for this guy versus the Giants because, I don't know, Joe Judge and Gettleman, like, oh, that, that, that's a poorly run organization. Uh, when in doubt, just be happy you're not Don Burr and the Lions or, you know, the Giants because those are just two <laughs> awful franchises. Um, got to see the Lions up close, actually, now bringing up the Lions. And you know what? Actually, I'm going to say that. We have Senior Bowl stuff happening in a bit, so I won't go there. This is actually I wanted to bring back up to what we were kind of talking about all the way at the top here, Mason. Like a guy like Tolbert's been a wide receiver coach what seems like forever, right? And he's only been a wide receivers coach. Like why is it taking – again, why is it taking so long to kind of elevate or get up the ladder there? from not just coaching wide receivers, but getting to another spot because he's gotten production out of people. He knows the game. He's been in different offenses. Again, maybe that's a part of the problem. And I, and I know I wanted to definitely mention it um, at this point when we got to Tolbert because he has definitely the, the resume and it's still a wide receiver coach. So he's moving horizontally, right, in terms of the, the status on a team instead of vertically, which is, again, part of the problem here. But I definitely wanted to – to mention that real quickly, Mason. Um, so we have uh, also linebackers coach Dave Berganzi. He was a guy that was linked earlier and, you know, just want to mention him here. Has a connection, um, obviously, with with Iberflus in Indianapolis, but also uh, Berganzi in Kansas City. So there's a connection there. Um, and that obviously connects polls as well. But, yeah, uh, I think with Eberflus bringing in people from that Colts organization is definitely going to help somebody who is 
still a first-time head coach, right? You want to have people that you're familiar with. And correct me if I'm wrong, Mason, and I think I you know, give credit to the Hoga Johns podcast for this, but Matt Nagy, I don't know if he even brought anybody over from his from Kansas City or I yeah, I don't I don't even remember. Yeah, it was a combination of a couple things. One, you know, if you're going to be making a lateral move, of course, the coach has to let you go, the head coach. And Andy Reid was pretty much like, I'm not letting you take anybody. Everyone else, because everyone was under contract. Sure. Surprisingly, a lot of these Colts guys are out of contract now. It just so happens that it lined up in this way. Uh, so Nagy kind of had to go elsewhere. And that was something that at the time, I think, was applauded. They were like, oh, they're going to have all these different mentalities coming in. You know, they're going to create the stew of offensive amazing and defensive amazingness. And we see how that turned out. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, Dave Berganzi, again, that was a guy that was um, mentioned earlier. But now let's get to the two assistant defensive back coaches. And the Bears don't actually have a DB coach as of yet. So, real quickly, assistant DB coach Mike Adams. He was a guy who actually, speaking of Matt Nagy, played with him uh, when they were back in Delaware for two seasons. So, I I guess you can – there's the Bears, former Bears connection, whatever. Uh, but he was um, – a two-time Pro Bowl safety in 10 seasons as a primary starter. So you bring in Mike Adams. But also the Bears just announced they brought in David Overstreet, the second. Um, and he was actually another guy like Ryan Poles that was cut by the Bears. And he said when he was cut, it, it was it made uh was mad at football for a while. He actually went to own a marketing firm for you know a couple of number of years and eventually worked his way back up and ended up reaching out to Eberflus to get him back into coaching or get him back into football and, you know, eventually landed with the Colts um, and just kind of being with Eberflus. But you have two assistant defensive backs coach uh, and we don't actually have the, the, you know, the cornerbacks coach yet or, you know, DB coach yet. Um, Mason, any thoughts on either of these two guys or the fact that the Bears are still, I guess, don't have a, a you know, a DB's coach as of yet? Yeah, I, when you're, I'll enter that second part first. When you are at this stage, when you're talking about your, your defensive back coach, a safety coach, a linebacker coach, and then especially the assistants, you're looking for potential like star talent, right? You're looking for some some people that you really think can blossom and help your organization versus necessarily a, a sure thing. And so at this point in time, snagging these guys when you can because you're worried maybe they're going to end up on other teams as you're figuring out the DB coach, I think is a good idea if you're just this is who we want. I don't, we don't really care. Plus does the DB coach really need to have that much of a say in that scenario? Maybe not, but I mean, like you said, David Overstreet has a really cool uh, history. He also played for Matt Eberflus at Missouri and not only that, but his late father grew up with Lovey Smith. They were friends and teammates uh, at big Sandy high school in Texas. There's another Bears connection for you. You know, unfortunately, you know, his father uh, who was a star running back at Oklahoma and played with the Dolphins, um, passed away in a car accident uh, when his son was only 13 months old. So, you know, unfortunate yeah. there. But a lot, a lot of connections, like you said, uh, to both to the Bears, to Eberflus. They, they must see something there, and they want to snag that early. Absolutely. And I think, Mason, that kind of concludes who the Bears have hired. But, look, they still, as of right now, I mean, they need a tight ends coach, a running backs coach. You would still need um, – a special teams coordinator, defensive line coach as of right now. Um, And we talked about like cornerback safeties coaches. So there's still some positions that need to be filled. And I'm sure the bears will 
You know, they're, the Bears were, we were talking about this, what, maybe a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, like, man, this is a long process. They're taking forever to find who they want to talk about. But now it feels like the Bears are not only in a good spot in terms of filling out their staff, but would you say maybe ahead of the game too? And when you look at or anywhere from like Minnesota, Las Vegas, like there are obviously other teams that are looking to fill out their staff, but I think the Bears are actually doing a good job of letting this process that they, you know, put in place initially with that five-team panel and see where they're at now. I think the Bears have done a pretty decent job of filling out their staff. What are your kind of thoughts, Mason? I would agree. You know, I know that we live in this instant gratification society. I'm right along with 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 that. So when you when things seem like they're stringing out, you get frustrated. Like, why are they interviewing so many GMs? Why are they interviewing so many head coaches? But I, I believe they took a lot of that information are applying it to even who they're grabbing now. Um, he was mentioned, uh, Fiasca, who I think the Raiders – to an extent, while I like Josh McDaniels and he was definitely with someone I would like the, the Bears to have been interested. By the way, I'm good with Eberflus. I don't want to get that twisted, but um, I think they might have messed up by not keeping him. I mean, like the Raiders players love him, and it seems like mm-hmm. the Bears are waiting to see if he ends up getting this Jaguars position. If he doesn't, I wouldn't be surprised that he's on the first flight to Chicago. Really quality guy. Guys play hard for him, which is especially important for special teams. And like you said, like they're definitely now able to, you know, take the senior bowl, for example, which you're going to talk about in a little bit. And they're going to be able to have these conversations. They're going to have Ty Tolbert be like, which wide receivers do you like? Cause we know that the Bears have to draft at least one, maybe two, probably one receivers. They're going to free agency. You got to be on top of that right now. You're hearing guys, you know, like what about these guys that are hurt? Like a Michael Gallup, is that someone we can use? Uh, Juju Smith Schuster is probably going to be on free agency. He, he announced that over the last couple of days. So now you can have that conversation these other teams can't do that. These rebuilding teams like the Jacksonvilles and the Vikings, they are behind on that. Um, and Poles mentioned that even in the press conference, that time was his biggest enemy right now because the Bears are behind the teams that are more solidified in their staffs. So just being able to have this coming together relatively quickly with, you know, like you said, Senior Bowl, you got the Combine coming up soon. Just you got to get on this thing. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with that, Mason. But you know, the Bears, like we said, are doing a pretty good job of that. So you mentioned the Senior Bowl. I was down there for – it was a quick turnaround. Like I said, Tuesday morning, I started leaving. My first flight was around 4 o'clock in the morning. I had to be at the airport around 3. And got to watch one full day of practice where the weather was not too bad uh, on that Tuesday. But Wednesday, my goodness, like it was raining consistently. And I like I looked up in my phone and for people like I have the Galaxy Z Fold like it again not not sponsored by Samsung or anything but it says it's water is it water resistant or waterproof I didn't really want to test whether it was water resistant or waterproof throughout the day because I'm gonna take notes because it was coming down but um and that first day and again it's the first day of practice they're starting to, these players are getting a feel for the the Jets coaching staff but also the Lions coaching staff see how they run things. And I know Don Burr's in the chat, and I will give um, the line some credit. I do like how, man, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on who's running the practices there for Aaron Glenn um, is running the practices. I love for Aaron the, Glenn. The deep, yeah, he he knows he he what he does for the last two practices, um, the practices I was able to witness. He at the end of it kind of does a one on one in front of the entire team. So the first day. Well, it was, man, it was, I have the name here, Darian Kennard, Kentucky offensive lineman, and then the defensive lineman from 
Florida State, and I'm blanking. I think his last name is Williams. They go one-on-one for three reps. All the entire team's just watching, uh, both, you know, offense, defense. They go three reps. Whoever wins it um, wins a majority of those reps. They don't have to do push-ups. The losing team does. And it, it brings that intensity to the entire practice, and I really like how the Lions kind of do that. But to kind of get into some players that stood out to me on that first day of practice, again, when the weather wasn't a factor, here are some maybe names. If you haven't heard of them before, Bears fans, maybe keep an eye on these guys, and we'll see maybe come draft time if they come up again. But a guy that I really liked, and I was talking with, who is it, Brandon Robinson and um, just Robert Schmitz from Windy City Gridiron, like guys that just stand out. You could just look at these guys like, he can ball. I I haven't seen him run. I haven't seen him do anything. But how he's dressed and the way that he carries himself, he can play. Christian Watson, wide receiver out of North Dakota State, 6'4", 211 pounds. You could just tell. I think he had the one leg sleeve. And just how he was carrying himself when he was running routes, he was the first one that ran, uh, that started out each drill. That's how you know who the alpha dogs are too, especially the wide receiver position. Like, hey, I'm going to go first. All everybody else is going to follow me. He does each rep. He does the drills first, runs crisp routes, can get in and out of his breaks, was really having a really good day against all the defensive backs on that first day. But the guy that followed behind him, also a Glenn Ellen, um, Illinois native, played at Cincinnati. Alec Pierce had a pretty good day. I actually got to talk to him like in the little one-on-ones the day after uh, I did ask him like what it would mean to be drafted by like the Chicago Bears, similar to like a Cole Komet situation. And, you know, he said that would be awesome because a lot of his friends um, are, you know, are obviously Bears fans. I did ask him if he did grow up a Bears fan and he, t- he told me not to share that information basically, but you put the, maybe put the things together. What's the worst thing you could be if you're not a Bears fan. That's, that's who Pierce grew up uh rooting for but he had a pretty good day again being at six foot two 208 pounds can run routes look crisp in them and he wanted to show people at the senior bowl the coaches and scouts that he's more than just a deep threat which is what cincinnati like to use him as and you look at that alabama game in the in the cotton bowl where i think he only had two receptions for 17 yards easily could have had a touchdown on one of the first possessions for cincinnati just burns a db on a slant route going over the middle of the field, the ball gets tipped at the line of scrimmage and, you know, Cincinnati's never able to score, but he can run routes. He can go up and get the ball. And, you know, I kind of wish I was able to see this practice that happened uh, today. And, you know, I I had to come home early because of uh, just flights getting canceled. The weather's crappy over here in Illinois. So had to get back. Uh, Some other guys that stood out real quickly, Dominique Robinson, Definitely. That's another guy. Um, you just look at him and built like a Greek God. It's like, okay, you can play. You can rush the passer. I noted him out right before one of the reps and he does like this double hand swipe gets around the right tackle and would have been a sack. You can't obviously hit the quarterbacks, but Miami of Ohio, six foot four, 254 pounds. I don't know if the bears are really going to be in this market looking for edge rushers um, with who they have right now, but a guy that really stood out to me. Um, another one, and this may be a position the Bears will look at, Joshua Williams, cornerback from Fayetteville State, 6'2", 193 pounds. It was tough for the DBs, like uh, especially on that first day. It's going to be tough um, just to kind of stick with these wide receivers because it's meant for the really the offensive player to win. But 
I thought Williams did a pretty good job of just contesting passes and trying to stay as close to these receivers as possible. And then another guy, Perion Winfrey, Oklahoma DN. The Bears are going to be needing a, another three-tech, I would think, especially moving into a 4-3. 6'3", 303 pounds. This guy on the second practice, so that would be Wednesday in the rain, made he had one at force he forced the fumble and recovered it then he had a sack or he had a quarterback pressure on one play and then followed that up with a tackle for loss on the running back and i remember just tweeting out like man this guy is a problem and i'll tell you this oklahoma fans they are a passionate bunch because that that tweet went viral and with all the oklahoma fans they love their 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 players they're very supportive so a guy that's someone that would definitely keep an eye on Perion Winfrey from Oklahoma. And that was all from the, not the, that was a national team. Then quickly, a few players that stood out on the American team. And I only got to watch really the one practice for them, for the Lions, because I had to leave early. Um, Bears definitely could be in the, I, I mentioned two wide receivers earlier. Another wide receiver to keep an eye on, Jalen Tolbert, South Alabama. He was on his home turf, right? That At the South Alabama campus there. Wide receiver, 6'1", 195 pounds, playing at a smaller school, right, but was there and able to compete with all these guys at the Senior Bowl. Fast, fluid, went up in between two um, defenders in one of the practices. I think it was the rainy practice, too, where he was able to come down with a nice pass. But he was someone that stood out. I know this name, too, Calvin Austin from Memphis, smaller wide receiver, 5'7", 173 pounds. But I know him really well because he absolutely destroyed Iowa in their bowl game. And it, every time I saw, oh, there's Calvin Austin, another uh, another reception, another reception. But he is shifty. You can definitely see him working on the slot and really was able to separate from some of those DBs there. Uh, last two guys that I have here on my list, uh, a Caleb Evans, Missouri defensive back. I hope I pronounced his first name right. But 6'1", 201 pounds, another guy that, you know, on these practices, and this is the rainy practice, you saw him show up a little bit there. And again, not ideal conditions for anybody. It was hard for the right series to catch. It was hard for footing for everybody. But Evans from Missouri, I thought had a pretty good day. And then I mentioned this guy earlier, Darian Kennard, Kentucky, 6'4", 324 pounds, has a little bit of nasty to him and somebody that, hey, the Bears could be looking to maybe upgrade the interior of their offensive line. Um, especially with the, how Ryan Poles was kind of talking about the emphasis that they want to bring to the offensive line in general, what they want to do on that side of the ball. But again, those are just some names from the senior bowl that I thought stood out and maybe they don't quite fit like the, the DN Dominique Robinson, what the bears are looking for, but you never know when Matt Eberflus was there, when I spied him watching practice, he was watching the defense alignment. He was looking at that, that kind of group there, just, keying in on who was there don't know exactly who he was talking to but keying in and part of that group Winfrey was in there but also the kid out of LSU I think it's Neil and I'm blanking on his name right now but there's um one of the defensive linemen from um LSU who's also turning some heads over there and making some plays so maybe if you're looking to do some homework on some potential players look at the defensive linemen who are at the senior bowl but quick recap on what what happened there in like the quick short not even two days i was there um got to go out though for the first time really mason and it, it um mobile just had some stuff shrimp with uh the guys from windy city gridiron which good time we we're talking a bunch of bears football and 
you know, you can't beat that. Like at that restaurant we were at, the host says, oh, the Minnesota Vikings are here. The And I, she didn't say the Green Bay Packers, but you saw from the upstairs, it was one person with Packers gear, two, three, four. It's like, man, you didn't say the Packers, but they, they, they were rolling deep. And they just left and, you know, went who knows where. But, um, yeah, there's a lot of, uh, you know, teams just talking to players, getting a feel for them, and just kind of going out in the town and having a good time. But, yeah, I, I honestly, I, I think I was in bed by, like, midnight that night after starting my day at 2 in the morning. So it was like, I'm done. I'm over with them. You know, we had a couple drinks, ate some stuffed shrimp, and I was done. But that's a quick recap on – Mobile, Alabama, and the Senior Bowl. So definitely keep uh, some of those names in mind. And if I don't know, if, are they even televising any of it, Mason? Do you... Not that I've seen. I mean, I was okay. trying to see not just that, but I was also trying to see the um, HBCU combine that went on, and I couldn't find anything ah. on that either. It's really frustrating. Oh, one thing, one acknowledge Raider fan Keith super chat. By the way, if you have questions, feel free to super chat, and we'll try to answer it the best we can. He asked about Sean Desai as a DC. Um, if you're still here, Raider fan Keith. I mean, like, so if it wasn't for the fact that he was attached to Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, John Desai would probably still be, he'd be, still be the defensive coordinator. He took a unit that had some pros, had some cons, was getting old, and was pretty solid with it. And I think he'll do even better in his second go-around learning more. So there's no no problem with John Desai whatsoever. I think he's going to actually be a very good DC eventually. just needs a little bit of seasoning on him. Um, but, yeah. Actually, Nick, curious. if Who would you say was your senior bowl crush and who would you say was your senior bowl like most impressive riser someone you had no idea about and like now is and just elevated for you senior it okay, could be maybe, you talked about already. yeah yeah i'm gonna stick with that but senior bowl crush um maybe just for me because i got to actually talk to the guy was alec pierce uh and being a local kid um he was a senior bowl crush but i've also put christian watson in that in that um I guess category as well, just because they stood out and Watson, I think has been arguably the best wide receiver down there. And I remember having just a good amount of notes on him, seeing him just what he was able to do at North Dakota state. I'm like, man, he can play now. Obviously it North Dakota state's one thing and they've been very successful as a program, but now let's see you with some of these other schools too. Right. And he's been showing out and he, and I didn't even have to see him run a, a route or just do anything. I just knew you can just see from his appearance that he could play. So I put him. I'd probably put Watson probably as the number one, honestly. And look, I had no idea who Perion Winfrey was. Didn't know he existed. Uh, at Oklahoma's obviously a big school, but I just, I, I guess I, I just don't do as much homework at, at in the college game until around this time. But he's just he flashed, and especially with the Bears and where they're at, and just maybe just needing a three tech. Man, he, that would be a nice little addition there if that the Bears can make it happen in terms of where he could be drafted. And I don't even know where he would be projected or anything like that. But Perion Winfrey, Christian Watson would be the two guys. One, uh, the senior bowl crush, and then also someone that just stood out. They had no idea it was a riser as soon as I saw him. But those are two guys I'm definitely going to keep in my radar for sure. Yeah, definitely um, a lot of – it's important for, for us and Bears fans to really keep an eye on a lot of these guys because, you know, whether it's free agency, whether it's the draft, whether it's undrafted free agency, I mean, the Bears are going to have a lot of holes to fill, right? I mean, off the top of my head, anywhere between one to maybe three offensive linemen, depending on what the Bears do there, 
two wide receivers, maybe a, a tight end. Then you start to go on the defensive side. You need probably two linebackers. You're going to need mm-hmm. a strong safety, a corner, a slot corner, uh, a three technique, like you said, maybe some end depth. And those are just me rattling off the top of my head. So you're going to have to fill it with some some quality yet cheap options just because, yes, the Bears are in better salary cap position than they were previously, but they also just lost a lot of guys who are now off contract. Absolutely. And I will say this. I can't – I don't know exactly what was said, but I was near the defense alignment um, where Matt Eberflus was at, and he was talking to somebody. Can't I don't know who it was, but they were definitely talking about bringing in somebody. Like the guy would write something on his little napkin, show it to Eberflus. He'd say – and I heard him say something along the lines, well, because he's not under contract, this is how much you would need to pay. So like they said in their introductory press conference, they were getting to work. Well, now they're in Mobile, Alabama. Iberflus is already talking to people. Like, they are going to start bringing in, whether it's players, the other coaches, filling out the staff, filling out this team in what their vision is. And, like, for people that want to hear, like, this, this is an or like, this, they're under now people that are willing to work, are ready to work, and are already starting that process, which, you know, if you're a Bears fan that's maybe optimistic about the hire or, you know, hesitant, and you just need, maybe just need to see the games in, you know, August, September. I get that. They're starting to it's it's starting to unfold and starting to happen, you know, first week of February here. And obviously we'll see how it all kind of plays out um, as this process continues going. The next big thing that will happen is the scouting combine first week of March. And between now and then, I'm sure the Bears will start keep, uh, you know, just filling out this roster and looking for potential players that they might sign a free agency or obviously look to draft. But Mason, we, we talked about a lot went from. General NFL, Bears, Senior Bowl kind of put it all on this podcast that wasn't even scheduled for the day, but hey, we did it anyway. Uh, Mason, you got any closing uh, statements? Any any last words before we kind of wrap it up here? No, like I said, really good podcast. Um, glad you highlighted the Combine. Um, all three of us, myself, you, and Will, will be at the Combine in some, yeah. in some kind of variations i'm still trying to somehow convince nick to stay longer so that we can actually cross paths because as of right now he's leaving like the day that i'm getting there so um, maybe we'll just be the bridge glue but at a bare minimum there should be some cool contents coming uh with that stuff and uh maybe we'll just happen to go to a restaurant that you know that eberflus is at and they invite us over and we just chat because why not that's that's exactly what would happen right uh, at, you know, honestly, Mason, that is kind of what happens down there <laughs> in, in, in Indianapolis. So uh, we just got to find them on the right day and we'll see what kind of happens there. But yeah, that's definitely Indianapolis is like a networking haven that just and it happens every single night. So it's like you do the, the scouting combine stuff and then it's like at night, get ready to go out, get ready to talk to people because they're everywhere. Like, oh, there, there's Field Yates. I remember just seeing Juan Castillo there. He's got a drink in his hand walking around and it's like. All right, this is what you do in Indianapolis, and yeah, so I'm really, I'm really looking forward to that. That's that's always a good time. But we will obviously have content before that week happens in the first week of March, and make sure you're following us here at the Chicago Audible on Twitter, Facebook. Uh, hit the bell notification on YouTube. You can follow Mason at West Sports PT. You can follow myself at Nicholas Moriano. We'll be back, and what we'll be discussing, who knows, but. Make sure you're following us on all that social media and you'll be up to date with everything. But until next time, bear down, Chicago. Bear down.